Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. I probably should have practiced this part, Stanley. Um, thank you. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the what and then I'll tell you the why. Uh, if you are an entrepreneur, if you um, live off commission, um, I want you to go ahead and stand up because I believe we're supposed to bless you today. Now, we're going to bless everybody at some moment, but if you like have to get clients to make money, like if you don't have clients, you get less money. Uh, if you don't get tips, you make less money. If, if you run your own business and you need, why don't you stand up? And I had, a, um, I had the Lord told me today that we're going to, um, that he wanted me to pray for, we're going to pray for everybody, so don't, don't, you're not left out because you have, a, a, you know, a regular salaried position. But, um, but the Lord visited me, and um, in worship, he, he completed the vision. And in the vision, I saw some angels uh, that were in a closet, as odd as that sounds. And um, you ever buy, like, a jacket that you really like, and then you didn't use it for a long time, and then you put it in the closet, and then one day you open the closet, you're like, oh, I forgot about this jacket, because we're in Florida. We don't, we don't use jackets that much, right? And so we'll forget about a great jacket we have. Um, I was on vacation with my wife in Mexico, and there were a lot of people from uh, Europe there. And uh, I told them we were talking about the weather and whatnot, and I said, you know, I don't, I don't actually own a coat. Like, I just don't own one. He's like, I own more coats than I own shorts. I'm like, I wear shorts almost every day. Uh, and so there's things that we forget about, or there's things that, like, um, are, are, we bought for a purpose, Oh, I'm going to say this carefully. You loan some things out, and then they're not used for the purpose they were loaned for, and you're like, just give me them back. And some of those things, you're like, the Lord has brought back and are sitting in closets, and he wants me to reassign. If, 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 if that makes sense. And so we're going to pray right now. Um, the prayer team is going to pray for these folks that are standing right now. Um, and if you didn't know, you are the prayer team. If you happen to be sitting near them, you are the prayer team. So I will guide the prayer. And what I'd like you to do is not give them some word. I don't want you to manhandle them. But if you can just kind of put your hand near their shoulder or on their back and just begin to pray the Lord's grace. And I will prophesy and you will stand in agreement. Amen. And, and I saw this very clearly. Ha, shake, kaba. Hey, ha, hmm, ha. I just declare in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, kingdom finances over you in the name of Jesus. I declare divine plans and strategies. I see that the Lord has um, allowed you to go through a season of desert, even a season of struggle where there was a blessing. Then you wondered what happened to the blessing. And it's like when Daniel had an angel that was supposed to visit him and said that I was um, blocked from coming by warfare in the heavenlies. And some of you have already seen the breakthrough on the horizon, but I declare that the Lord says today there is breakthrough, that today there is favor, that the Lord has turned his face towards you in the name of Jesus. And we, I don't hear nobody praying but me. And I just declare in the name of Jesus, favor upon your business right now. As, as the fear of the Lord comes upon you, and you manage this thing with godly principles, as you manage this thing with God-glorifying strategies, I declare the increase of the Lord. The Bible says that the Lord brings increase and adds no sorrow to it. In the name of Jesus, stand up and pray for your mom. Come on, pray for her. In the name of Jesus, just come on, stretch a hand toward him, somebody. And I declare in the name of Jesus, if you're online watching right now, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. I declare favor in the name of Jesus. I declare the angel of the Lord coming to you in the name of Jesus. I declare kingdom finances. The Bible says that the Lord, that the Lord gives the power to make wealth in the name of Jesus. And we align with that right now as you are faithful to God with your finances. Or you are faithful to God with your heart. As you are faithful to God with your words. As you are faithful to God that that, that increase is coming in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name, I declare. I declare the blood of Jesus over your business. And every attack of the devil is broken. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, amen. Give a clap offer to the Lord. Amen, amen. I got one more thing we're going to pray, so sit down. We're going to pray one more thing. 
if, um, and I'm going to need you to be courageous right now. If you're in a situation and you're like, I need a miracle in our finances. Now hear me. I don't, I'm not saying you need a miracle to get a Tesla. I need a miracle to pay off the vacation I shouldn't have gone on. That's not what I'm talking about. But if you're at a place where you're like, I absolutely do not know. There is no natural way for me to get out of what I'm in right now. I'd like you to stand up if you can, if you're brave enough to stand up. We want to pray for you because that is not just. And I want to tell you, I feel the compassion of the Lord on this right now. This is not a matter of greed. I feel the compassion of the Lord on this right now. If you have a very close friend or family member that you know is in dire, destitute straits, you can stand in proxy for them. Oh, Jesus. Jesus, your word says you know what it means to be hungry. You know what it means to be imprisoned. You know what it means to be destitute. All right, saints, you know what to do. Come on, pray for these folks right now. Pray like you wish someone would pray for you when rent is due and your kids are hungry and you don't know how you're going to feed them. Come on, you need to pray, pray right now. Pray right now like you prayed when your parent was in the hospital or like we're going to pray right now. Father, we pray in the name of Jesus. You are the miracle-working God. You are the miracle-working God. You are the miracle-working God. For those who need housing, we declare housing in the name of Jesus. Those who need a financial miracle, we pray for that miracle right now. Those who don't have transportation, that you would bring the breakthrough. We, we look to you today, God. Jesus, miracle-working God, come on, in the name of Jesus. We thank you already because you have already done the breakthrough. You have already brought the breakthrough by your blood. In the blood. By your blood you have broken through. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I command the devil to come off of these finances. You are. You are, Jesus. You are. Come on, pray, 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 pray. You are. That is who you are. Five more seconds. Five more seconds. Come on, cry out. Five seconds. Light in the darkness, my God. That is true. Now what I want you to do is I want you to begin thanking him like it already happened. Come on. Come on, I want you to thank him right now. No, no, yeah, lift your voice and thank him like it's already happened. Come on. Come on, thank him like you would if it already, like if it just happened just now. Come on, just begin to praise him for your friend who doesn't know how to pay their bills. Come on. Come on, thank him for the breakthrough right now. Come on, thank him right now. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for healing those who are sick. We thank you for the miracle. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, we thank you. Come on, you did good. Amen, amen, amen. Hug two people before you grab your seat. Thank you, Stanley. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If we only did that today, I think we would make Jesus happy. Woo, I felt I felt I felt God on that right there. I felt God on that right there. He he might be with the needy, huh? He might be with the needy. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's get it. Come on, Stanley. Amen, 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 amen. If you've got a Bible, you can turn to Genesis chapter 20. I want to talk to you today about the everlasting God. I want to talk about the everlasting God. Amen. Oh, Jesus. The everlasting God. Come on. Yes. Yes. The everlasting God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's the everlasting God. I, you ever get in a place and you forget that God is everlasting. You think maybe he ran out of energy, ran out of time. Maybe the batteries on his back ran out and he done ran out of blessings. You ever, you ever, you ever forget that, uh, that God might be eternal and you think that maybe he has limited resources or that maybe you disqualified his resources with what you did. You, 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 ever, you, ever, you ever find yourself in a place of prayer thinking that Maybe what you did is more powerful than what Jesus did and somehow his grace has come to an end and you forget 
that our God is the everlasting God. You ever walk with God and you start thinking that you should have reached certain milestones by now in your life? That at this age and at this point of the journey, you should be here by now and that somehow your timeline got hijacked and that you somehow are on a different timeline than you thought or you received a word that was really for someone else because you must have heard God wrong because here you are and it hasn't happened yet. And unfortunately, what I have found in my life, and uh, I, 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 I don't want to say I hate to admit this, but I hate to admit this, but fear comes in and the voice of fear begins to dominate more than the voice of the promise. And you stay in that place long enough and all of a sudden what you thought was something like, I'm just preparing for the future, now becomes I'm preparing for my only future, which is destruction, which is poverty, which is embarrassment, which is depression, which is anxiety, which is death. And instead of living a life on the timeline of God to see the promise of God come to pass, we find ourselves living on a pathway to certain destruction. Now, we wouldn't admit that. We wouldn't tell our friends that, but our inner life, our inner man, our inner woman, the, the, the person that we are living, if we're real about it, is a person that surely will die alone, that will live their life alone, that will never accomplish what, called them, what God called them to, will never have a lifestyle of joy, won't see peace and happiness again. We forget that our God is the everlasting God. I believe the Lord has brought you here today because there's some things that the Bible has to teach us about this. Because God did not intend you to live this life of fear, anxiety, depression, and calamity. God did not desire, He did not create you to wait for hell to come. He did not create you to live a lifestyle of punishment, failure, fear, and destruction. It is absolutely not in His plan, and you don't even have to focus on it. It doesn't even have to be a part of your life. God actually came that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Can you say amen? That is a good word right there. Unfortunately, that does not mean that every day is going to be our birthday. It does not mean that every day we will wake up to flowers and balloons. We will not wake up with every day being more beautiful than the last. We are here on earth, and earth is a fallen creation, and there are problems. There is sickness. There is disease. There also is God who is authoring our plan. If you've ever changed careers and had to learn a new trade after you already had an old one, you know what it's like as an adult to have to learn something new. It's not as much fun as it was in the past, especially when you're learning this career because you need the money. Anybody know what I'm talking about right now? It's one thing to learn stuff just because you like to learn stuff. It's another thing to learn stuff because if I don't learn this, I ain't going to eat, right? Like, that's a, that's a whole different thing. You're like, you want to show up to work and be like, listen, I want to just be clear about this. I don't care about this job. I don't care about this skill. And I don't particularly like you. I'm doing this just so I can eat, all right? That's the only, like, you want to show up and say that, but you know that will get in the way of you making money to eat, right? So you just show up every day like you actually want to be there. They're like, do you even want this job? And you want to be like, no, I don't want this job at all. I don't want to come here. I don't want to see you. I wish I never met you. Like, like you know what I mean? Like, if, if I could live this life over again, I would structure it in a way that never had me here, right? Like, that's, but yet and still, here I am. Yet and still, here I am because I need this, right? Anybody who's in high school right now, you're probably living this, right? Like, this is your your whole life, right? Like I am absolutely convinced one of my children is in college only because they get free housing from me while they're in school. That is literally the only reason. If there was any way they could get the free housing without being in college, they would do it. But we don't said like full-time job or college. And that's, that's on. They're like, hmm, 
college sounds easier, right? And so, that's the, so we all live this to some extent, right? But God uses these little, these little funnels in our life. Like, like he uses these things that say, like, if you want to get there, you're going to have to go through this. And we wander around trying to avoid the little funnel of God that he wants us to learn a lesson so that we can just get to where we want to be. And God is like, yeah, no, I got all the time in the world. This can take as long as you want. What we find in life, and I have talked about this repeatedly over the last several years, we go through a cycle of construction, deconstruction, and reconstruction. And, and, and we, we build something in our life, like we finish school, or we start a career, or we get a promise from God, and we think, this is it. Now I have come into the land of plenty, and we have constructed a life that we actually like. And then we find out some of the people in our life aren't actually trustworthy. Or the career that we built isn't going to continue. Or the clients that we built up move away. And then things start to fall apart. We see a problem with how we were living our lives. We thought we knew everything. And then things don't work out the way we wanted them to. And we have to start picking apart our life to figure out what went wrong. And we call that process deconstruction. And if you're healthy and you want to grow from your crisis, you go through deconstruction with someone who's healthy. I need you to hear this. When we go through disappointment and hurt and deconstruction, the, the, the natural tendency is to do like the enemies of David and congregate with other complainers. If your marriage is falling apart, you generally hear voices from people who don't know how to be in a healthy relationship. Well, I wouldn't have trusted him anyways. I know, that's why you're divorced. That's why you're man. I mean, like, like, that's why you never had a successful relationship in your life. Don't, 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 don't get life advice from bitter people. Get life advice from people who are doing stuff that you're scared to do. Get life advice from people who have actually put in the work to get somewhere. Find somebody who actually built a business. Not inherited one, not like, you know, fell into one, not one who's doing their books illegally. Find someone who actually built a business and ask them, okay, what do I do? I know some people like that. I know some people who just had a job and they got the word of the Lord in their life and they just, they just, they had to thug it out and learn how to do a business. And they built something and they have to trust God for it to keep going. Like these are the people, when you, these are the people you want to talk to about getting your, your finances straight. When your marriage is falling apart, like don't. Don't, don't go asking advice from people who act like they never had a fight. Because they lie. They're not going to help you. They're going to just try to keep... You, you want some people who've been in the trenches. You want some people who've been through some things and know how to get out the other side of the valley. Does this, this make sense? These are the kind of people... This is, and this is why at Revival Life, this is why we just want to keep it real. Because I found out fake don't help nobody. Come on, somebody. Fake don't help nobody. Like people, no, I'm not going to go down that road. Hallelujah, I, I want to get in the Bible here. Well, maybe I'll put that on a podcast or something. Who knows? Here's what, here's what God wants us, here's how, like, if you are going through this season now where you felt like you had a lot, and now you have a little, and, you, and, and, and you're having a little doesn't line up with the promise of God in your life. I'm, I'm here to let you know you're in a beautiful place. It may not feel like it, but you're in a beautiful place place. The Bible talks about seed time and harvest. The Bible talks about planting seed and receiving a harvest. So when we get a harvest, uh, we have to decide, is what I have seed for a new harvest or is it bread to be consumed? And sometimes what, what, what is taken away we thought was seed, but it was really bread. And other times things that we thought was bread for my nourishment is really supposed to be a seed for a new harvest. And what that means is everything that we receive in this lifetime, we need to be able to go to God with open hands and say, all of this, I'm not sure what seed, I'm not sure what's bread, I don't know what's eternal or what's temporal, but Lord, whatever you want out of my hands, you can have it. And whatever you want me to have, I receive. If we do not live a life like this, then we live a life of fear that what's in our hands will be stolen. But nothing can be stolen from you if your hands are wide open. Everything becomes seed that you lose. 
Abraham encountered the Lord. If you remember, we talked about this. Uh, the Lord came with two angels. And it's a, it's a weird story as I talked about last week. But the Lord came with two angels and he's standing outside of his tent. And, and Abraham living in the desert, uh, he entertained these angels. And we found out that the, the Lord and his angels were on the way to Sodom and Gomorrah. And uh, Abraham brought them in. He entertained them. He took care of them. He was looking out for the Lord. And he gave his resources to the Lord. The angels then left, went down to Sodom and Gomorrah, and um, they destroyed those towns. And um, Abraham rose up, the Bible says, and, and, and looked out, and he saw that uh, Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, and fear entered his life. Like He got, he got terrified by this, as, as I probably would. We, 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 when these crises come to our life, we can't always control the crisis. I need you to hear this. We desperately want to control the crisis, but you can't. What you can do is control how you view the crisis and how you view God in the crisis. Because how you meditate on your crisis, how you view it and how you view God in the crisis completely dictates how you will experience the crisis. And how you experience the crisis dictates what you expect God to do in the crisis, which will dictate what is coming down the line. If you are expecting a heart attack to come and kill you, good news, it's coming. If you expect God to come through for you, good news, he's coming. We get to decide what comes by the power of our own faith. And if you're going to believe something in the future, you might as well believe for something good. Amen? If you're going to use your brain power on something, you might. Come on. If we're one class, we all clap. Come on. If, you, if, you, if, if you're going to go ahead and, and, and activate your brain for something, you might as well activate it for good. But we take things in our own hands and, and we get scared. And we get scared that things are going to go back to how they were before we had the breakthrough. Anybody know, am I talking to anybody this morning? And so we start living like the old thing is coming back. Not recognizing we are creating a place for the old thing to come and live. It's kind of like when you, you kick the deadbeat out of your house. And you, the first thing you do is you throw their stuff away, right? You know, like, or you burn it if you're in certain movies, right? You just, you just get rid of all their stuff. And then you're scared you're going to be in another bad relationship and then you find yourself starting to buy stuff that the old bum used to like. Eventually, a bum who likes that stuff is going to move back in. We need to not repeat the patterns of where we were. Is this speaking to anybody? I feel like I'm talking to somebody today. I feel like the Lord is talking to somebody today. It's time to believe for something better than a bum in your life. Okay, yeah, amen, 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 amen. I'm not going down that road, but, but we get scared and we forget who God is. We take things in our own hands and we get scared that things are going to go back to how they were before God stepped in. This is, this is what we see happens to Abraham. Abraham entertained the angels. The angels went down and destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And, and then Abraham started acting a fool. Now, if anybody should have known that God is God, it was Abraham, but he's not there yet. Right? And so we see in, in, in Genesis chapter 20, starting in verse 1, it says, Now Abraham journeyed from there. And there where Abraham was standing was the place where he had encountered God. He went to the place of encounter that was on this ridge, overlooked Sodom and Gomorrah. God had cut a covenant with him at that place. And he saw, he stood in the promise and looked at Sodom and Gomorrah and somehow drew Sodom and Gomorrah's judgment into his place of promise. Got scared. Watch this. And Abraham journeyed from there toward the land of Negev and settled between Kadesh and Shur. Then he sojourned to Gerar. Abraham said of his Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. Now, this is the king he's talking to. He says to Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. Said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister. So Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. Wow, that is like, can you, like, you ever been marital problems? You ever been in relational problems? I've been in relational problems. I've had marital problems. Never because I let another man take my wife as his wife, right? Like I've never actually, I've done some dumb things. Hard to come back from that, right? It's really hard to come back 
from denying that your wife is your wife so another man can be with her. That's, a, it's a, that's kind of a trust breaker. <laughs> kind of a trust breaker, right? But Abraham, the funny thing is, this isn't the first time he did this. You remember he did this before? Like he, he was scared and, and, and he journeyed in a land and he's like, look, they're going to kill me if they find out you're my wife because you're so beautiful. And, uh, and so when they got into the land, he said, hey, this is my sister, which was technically true, but it wasn't all the way true, which made it all the way a lie, right? You, you can't tell a half-truth. A half-truth is a whole lie, right? And so, so, so he, 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 they took his wife, and then the Lord came and intervened, and the dude's like, what are you doing? He's like, I was scared. But now he's back in the same place. What brought him there? Fear. Fear. The, 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 the trap of reading the Bible, when you read the Bible, um, there's, the, the trap is, um, is that we will stand outside of the text and judge the people in the text. There, there's, a, there's a way of people explaining the Bible, and hear me before you throw stones at me. Um, some people say that we read the Bible like it's an instruction manual, that it is, um, there's, there's nothing in this thing that conflicts anything else with this thing. Every single, you can read any sentence and apply it to your life. And that's just not how this story is written. That's not how we read the Bible. That's not how we're faithful to the text. Because I would, you know, if you're not sure, don't give your wife to somebody else, right? Like, that's a bad plan. It's not good, right? It's, your life is not going to go well that way. And your wife probably isn't going to like it, right? Um, it, that, that is not a faithful reading of Scripture. What the Bible does do Hear me, when you're reading it, especially the Old Testament, because the Old Testament speaks a covenant that you and I are not in. This is not our covenant. This is the covenant that God had with the descendants of Abraham, right? This is not our covenant. There is a new covenant, which is detailed in the New Testament, right? And so when you're reading this old covenant, what we need to do, it, it invites us into the story, but we are to go into the story through the new covenant we have with Jesus. That means that when we read these Old Testament stories, we stand there like Jesus, viewing broken people with compassion. If you judge anybody in the Old Testament, then you're standing in the place of the enemy. You're standing in the place of judgment, and you can't actually learn what the Bible wants you to teach, wants to teach you, because you're standing in the place of judgment. There's no grace in judgment. Have you noticed that? You've never fallen to judgment of your friend and your friendship get better. You never stand in judgment of your spouse and your marriage get better. It only gets better when you stand in the place of compassion. Amen? Amen. You have to stand in the place of compassion. You have to try to feel what the other person is feeling. You have to actually have compassion for what they're going through. And so when we read stories like this that just seem so crazy, and seems so cut and dry, we need to have compassion. We need to view the scriptures. That's the only way we get the point of the story. And so here's Abraham who is terrified that what just happened to Sodom and Gomorrah is going to happen to him, and that God himself is going to do it. And so he runs away, and he falls back into old patterns and old sins, trying to keep from dying. He, 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 he's incapable at that point of trusting God. And so he falls into old patterns of sin and destruction. Anybody ever, is that, anybody ever experienced that? Anybody find yourself scared doing really stupid stuff? Amen. Well, then you are a candidate for God's grace. Amen. This is how we have to read these stories. So Abraham, who is just acting the fool in the midst of his faithlessness, you know, he goes and Abimelech takes Sarah uh, as, as part of his harem, and then uh, God visits Abimelech in a dream. And Abimelech, God comes to Abimelech and says, um, yeah, now I'm going to kill you. Now I have to kill you. God, God, God tells Abimelech. Abimelech's not a Jew. He's not under the covenant. But God is the God of the whole earth. And, and so God visits Abimelech and says, now, uh, just so you know, um, you're going to die. Right? I'm killing you. And Abimelech's like, what, wait, what's up with that? Who are you? But the fear of the Lord's on him. And he's like, why are you killing me? He's like, because ah, you took Sarah. He's like, what, what, wait, he's like, that's Abraham's wife. And he's like, but Abraham lied and didn't tell me his wife. He's like, nah, sin, sin, I have to kill you, right? And then, and then he's like, um, I'd like to not die. I didn't have sex with her, right? Like, like, I didn't have sex with her. Look, I'm a good guy. And God's like, I didn't let you have sex with her. That was all me. And Bimelech's like, eesh, okay, all right. So I got this other man's wife and you're gonna kill me even though I didn't have sex with her. 
And he lied to me. Like, how do I get out of this mess? And God says in verse, uh, Genesis chapter 20, verse 7, here's what he says to Abimelech. He talks to Abimelech. Verse 7, comes up any moment now. Now, therefore, verse 7, you got it in your Bible. Now, therefore, this is what God says to uh, Abimelech. Now, therefore, there... Hallelujah, I felt the, felt the anointing right there. Our, our lights blinked or something, I don't know. Oh, Jesus. People are clicking buttons, lights are doing stuff. We're, 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 it's a good thing we're here for Jesus, amen? When our church goes live, all this is going to get fixed. It's all like when we become, when we really launch, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good, amen? We, we, we fixing things back there? Are we getting things worked out? Yeah, no? The lights are all orange. Computer, gotcha. Okay, verse 7, we're just going to have to use our Bible like we're back in the Stone Age here, right? Like we're going to have to actually look at our own Bible like way back in the day. Verse 7, now therefore, this is God talking to Abimelech. Now therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you and you will live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die, you and all who are yours. Now this lie of Abraham God says, is going to cause Abimelech and his entire family to die because Abraham lied. Why? Because Abraham had a covenant with God, and God protects his covenant. I want you to hear this. In the midst of Abraham's sin and stupidity, God is protecting his covenant. God is moving right now in some of your lives to destroy to restore what was stolen in the last season. See, some of you right now are going through some things and you don't know why, and it is because of sin. It might have been the sin of someone else. You didn't do nothing wrong, but somebody else had sinned against you, and because of that, you are going through a season of drought. And because you have a covenant with God, God is restoring that which was stolen from you. Listen, I want to tell some of you, some of you, some of you children of Christians in here, whether you're 13 or 53, your parents had a covenant with God and things are going to work out for you because God will honor the prayers of your parents. Things are going to work out. Things are going to work out for you. I want you to have confidence that God is who he said he is. Amen. It's going to work out on your behalf. This, there's this curse that comes from sin. We're getting it worked out. I feel, I feel it in my spirit. I feel it in my spirit. We're getting it all worked out. There is a curse that comes from sin. And God breaks that curse. It's who he is. It is who he is. And in your life, this poverty, this lack, this, this, this destruction is going to be restored. But here's what happened. There's still, there's still um, judgment on sin. And so in Abimelech's house, since he was with Sarah, even though he didn't have sex with her, uh, none of Abimelech's uh, uh, wives or concubines, none of the people could have children. And they want children because that is how you uh, bring forth fertility. And so, so here he says, um, uh, as punishment, I'm sorry, as punishment, Abimelech and his family couldn't have any children. And so Abimelech, uh, went to Abraham, and he's like, listen, um, we don't have any children. We've gone barren, like some of our jobs, like some of your ministries, like some of your marriages. They've gone barren. And Abimelech goes to Abraham and says, hey, let, let me, let me, let me, let me uh, give you some money. Let me, give you, let me bless you. Let me sow into your life. Let me, let me bless that which is blessed. All right, I want you to hear this. Uh, Genesis chapter 20, verse 17. Abimelech gave money and silver and businesses to Abraham, and Abraham prayed to God, verse 17, Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. Verse 18, for the Lord had closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because Sarah, Abraham's wife. Now, I want you to see what happened here. Abimelech was a king, and he had wives, and he had property, and, and he had um, concubines, and he had to buy his women's fertility back from Abraham. That which was already his, he had to buy back, which sounds crazy. Why would he have to buy back that which is already his? Hold that thought, okay? 
hold that thought. The Bible says in, verse, in Genesis chapter 21, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord took note of Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. What did the Lord promise Sarah? He promised Sarah that she would have a child, Isaac, that Abraham and Sarah would have a baby, and that they, that baby, that Abraham would be the father of a multitude of nations, and that the whole world would be blessed through them. Are you with me? Are we tracking together here? Excellent. You might need to turn the TVs back on, Josh. Oh, they're on. There we go. Hear me. Abimelech had to pay Abraham to get his wife's fertility back. Now, 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 there's a crazy, crazy concept in the kingdom of sowing in to other people who are getting what you want. It is a crazy, crazy, crazy concept. And it doesn't make any sense, which is why you know it's a kingdom concept. If you find somebody who's flourishing in something that you want to flourish in, you want to sow into their life because you want your finances connected to success in that area. If you want your own ministry, what you need to do is serve faithfully in someone else's ministry. If you want breakthrough in a certain area, you want to help somebody else with their breakthrough. Therefore, you get your breakthrough. Wherever Jesus is walking, that's where you want to be. All right, let, me just, let me just say this. Yeah, yeah, that's a good word right there. Yeah, let me tell you. Let me tell you how the devil works. Yeah. Let me tell you how the devil works. I have, I, have, I have been in this little church thing long enough to know. I have walked with Jesus long enough to know how the devil robs people of their call. Watch this. What he does is somebody gets what you want, and then the devil makes you bitter and jealous of them to cut you off from the blessing that they're walking in. I've seen it a thousand times. I've been tempted by it a million times. Somebody's walking in what you want. That means that Jesus is there. Oh, their business is taken off. Uh, it's because I know, it's just because of, ah, they're cheating or they're, no, 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 no. You say, man, I, I want my business to take off. Let me bless them. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me honor them to see what's happening in their life, how they receive Jesus, how they're walking in wisdom. Just like, what, what, what the world understands this. The world understands, they say, they say if you see someone that's succeeding, you need, to, you need to figure out their grind so you can get what they have, right? This, this, is a kingdom per, this is a kingdom principle. If somebody is walking in what you want, you serve that thing until it gets on you. The world calls this interning. It's an internship. I want what's on your life so I serve what you're doing so it can get on my life. And it's so valuable that an intern will work for free because what they get from the interning is more valuable than what they would get by being paid. So what you need is so much more valuable than money. You're saying, I, I don't want money because what I want is worth more than the money you're going to give me for this. I want to serve it so I can get that supernatural blessing that comes from heaven that only Jesus could give me. I'm not giving, I'm not trading that for $15 an hour. I need what God gives me, which will be 10 times that per hour. Does this make sense to you right now? I need to sow into that which will give me eternal uncountable rewards, so I will not reduce it to money. I hope this is making sense. I hope this is landing on somebody. I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you don't get paid for your job. Don't, 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 don't. But if you could serve that thing, do it in a way that you're not getting paid for it already, so the payoff comes from God later. We are living for an eternal reward. I do not want all my reward on earth. There better be something waiting for me in heaven. I don't want it all here. And so as you, as, as, as Abimelech sowed, no, this is good. Abimelech gave an offering to Abraham because he was infertile. Abraham easily could have said, I've been waiting 15, well, this was 25 years for a baby. Why would I pray for you to have a baby? But Abimelech then blessed Abraham. Abraham then prayed for Abimelech. The fertility, the infertility came off Abimelech and all his people. And the Bible says, then, watch this, the Bible says, then, 21.1, after he did that, the next verse says, then the Lord took note of Sarah as he said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he promised. The next verse, Sarah becomes pregnant. 
I feel like there might be something in this for you. Second story. Got three stories to tell you. That's the first one. Second story. Then Abraham, um, he had Isaac. We'll talk about that next week. And uh, Abraham was blessed. He'd been blessed every time he sinned. I don't know if you notice, the Lord came and blessed him afterwards. And not because of the sin. This is not your way to prosperity. I know that book would sell well, Sin Your Way to Prosperity. But we're not doing that here, right? Abraham became a great nation. And, uh, <clears throat> and he had a, a Abimelech came out later, and he decided to have a treaty with Abraham. And, and in this treaty, uh, Abimelech said, hey, I need you to promise me that your God is, is, is not going to smite me, right? And Abraham's like, no, no, you're blessed, right? We're blessed. We'll make a covenant, and we're good, good. Okay, we're good. Then Abraham says to Abimelech, hey, I had some wells over here. They're my wells, but your people took over my wells. Like, your people are on my land. And uh, Abimelech's like, I don't know nothing about that. Yeah. Convenient, right? Yeah, I don't know nothing about that. And so the Bible says in, uh, in Genesis 21, 27, I hope you're tracking with me here. Abe says in 21, 27, Abraham took sheep and oxen and gave them to Abimelech. And the two of them made a covenant. Then Abraham set seven ewe lambs of the flocks by themselves. Abimelech said to Abraham, what do these seven ewe lambs mean, which you have set by themselves? He said, you shall take these seven lambs from my hand, so that it may be a witness to me that I dug this well. Therefore, he called that place Beersheba, because the two of them took an oath. Beersheba, if you've heard this in the Bible before, Beersheba, uh, it, 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 it literally means um, the, 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 the seven wells or the well of covenant. Seven has to do with um, perfection, has to do with agreement, has to do with covenant. So it's called either the well of covenant or the well of seven, because Abraham paid for that well with seven of his lambs. I want you to see the pattern here. He already owned these wells. And he bought them back from Abimelech with the seven. And you may say to yourself, why would you pay for something you already own? Why? why? Now, I I want you to hear this. A new covenant is going to require a new way of living. Put it up if you would. A new covenant will require a new way of living. Trusting God to be your supply is living with your hands wide open. Some of you had great success in the last season and you found yourself in the desert and you're bitter that you have to rebuild. There was a time that things were going well and you saw great success and you thought it was going to last forever and now God is saying you need to buy back that thing which you thought you already owned. And you're like, God, this is wrong. This is injustice. I shouldn't have to do this. And the enemy wants you to sit in the corner and suck your thumb, but you don't understand there might be more going on in the kingdom than you recognize. Abimelech was a curse from Abraham's past. Abimelech represented the time he didn't trust God and he almost lost his marriage and he almost lost the covenant. He almost lost the promise. He almost lost everything God had for him because of his fear. And he's like, I'm not living with this past forever. I am going to move on from this past. And if it just costs me seven lambs to get Abimelech out of my life, it will be far more valuable than the seven lambs. See, we get stubborn. We get stubborn and we double down. We get in an argument with a friend or a coworker or a spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend, and we're like, I'm not going to say I'm sorry. Like, the word sorry to you is worth more than the relationship. What a stupid thing to lose a relationship over. We don't rebuild our business because we don't want to reach out to someone. We don't, we don't want to have to put in the work again. We thought that we had graduated from that season and now here we are. Maybe you had a fruitful relationship with God and you thought things were going to go a certain way and then because of sin, sickness, disease, the fall of man, life has got hard and you're like, well, I already did that once and it didn't work. And God's like, you need to buy back that well. 
It's time to buy back the well. Do what you did before. Now, I, I had a conversation with someone recently. <clears throat> and uh, I, I, I wish I could say I live this principle, per, this principle perfectly, but, but, but I don't. Um, I, 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 at times, watch this, don't, don't, guard your heart, I get bitter. <laughs> I get bitter and uh, I get upset and I get, I get mad. Not at any of you, of course. Not, not, not anybody in this room, just them, right, them. And um, someone was asking me, you know, like, what, what, like, you got any Abimelechs in your life? Like, they represent a painful season for you? Maybe there was sin involved. Maybe it was your sin. Maybe it was their sin. Like, why is Abimelech, why did he need another wife? Why would he take a woman who's 90? Like, what, what, like, that's all I got, and you would take my 90-year-old wife. Why would you do that, right? Like, and you want, you want revenge, you're upset maybe with, with, with an ex, maybe you're upset with an old friend, maybe you're upset with your mom or your dad, or just upset in the season, and you like want to hold on to that, and, 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 and you want to move forward at the same time. This is what I told my friend. I said, listen, I got too much in my future to worry about people in my past. Come on, somebody. I got too much in my future to worry about people in my past. Listen, if, if that's what the relationship was worth for you, that you wanted bitterness and, and selfishness and self-servingness to override everything God's doing, you can have it. My hand is open. Steal whatever you want. That's between you and God, though. See, my hands are open. What Jesus has given me, my hands are open. God, 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 I remember when my son was but a couple weeks old and he came down with a condition and, and, and they could not diagnose it and he, he could not eat food and he was throwing up all the time <clears throat> and he was born at eight pounds and he was down to six pounds and his eyes were sunken in and his skin was getting scaly and they could not figure out why they could not feed my son and my wife and I theologically speaking, we're losing our minds, right? Like we were in the pit of hell. Like it, my wife, it was the, that, that is the scariest moment of her entire life. I was not doing good. And I had fasted. I had prayed. I had prayer warriors praying. And the doctors couldn't figure out what was going on. And I'm watching my son die. And I said to God, like, listen, this, like, this can't happen, number one. Like I, I'm, I'm like, but if it does... I trust you. Like, I, I had to get to a place where I said, if I lose my son, I trust you. Now, hear what I'm saying. We went to the hospital every, like, we went doctors, medicine, I, 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 you know, I might have sacrificed a goat at that point. I had to, you know, somebody said that would work. I don't know. But <clears throat> I, I wouldn't actually. But, but, but I would, you know, like, it wasn't like we put him in a closet and just prayed that he would, you know, God would do something. Like, we were doing whatever we could do, and the doctors couldn't do nothing. But I had to come to a point where I'm like, hands are open. My hands are open to you, God. Like, I'm trusting you with what you put in my hands. And by the grace of God, they diagnosed it. He got fixed. And in a day later, he was completely healthy. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm thankful he's alive. <clears throat> you could take that down. But, 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 but people can't steal from me. People can't steal from me. It's in my hand. If God put it in my hand and you took it, you stole from God. Amen. And I'm saying, Abimelech, watch your dreams. Watch your midnight hour. Because God protects his, amen? amen? You don't got to worry about these things. You don't have to worry about these things. Oh, no, that person got over me and stole my boyfriend. They didn't steal nothing. They ain't steal nothing. They don't rob the Lord and you don't worry about it. Leave your hands open. God will redeem. And Abimelech dreams are on the way. I mean, it's good news. I got good news and bad news. Jesus is coming. For me, good news. The Abimelech who steals, bad news. Jesus is coming. God, you, you can really trust him with these things. And so I try to leave my hands open. Anything God tries to give me, my hands are open. I'm not fighting. I'm not, I'm like, in, in that I would love to tell you that, like, I just walked into that, but I have learned, I have learned over the years that if you try to hold on to things, then part of your soul goes with it. You live with an open hand, then you get to move from melancholy and remorse of the past to I get to mourn and move forward. 
There's a reason we have funerals, because we say these things are dead. It's good for my soul. I now have to move forward. If you can't accept that things aren't in your hand anymore, then you live with the grief of them being gone. Now you're living with depression. Some of y'all need to have some funerals for some dead seasons and move into a new season. Can you say amen? Took 25 years for Isaac to show up from the first time God spoke to them. So they had this uh, agreement, Abraham and Abimelech. Verse 32, if you would put it up for me. Verse 32 says, so they made a covenant at Beersheba and Abimelech of, excuse me, and Abimelech of Phicol. I have no idea how you pronounce that word. We'll call it Fickle, right? I have no idea. And Abimelech of that place, the commander of his army, arose and returned to the land of the Philistines. Verse 33 Abraham planted a tamarisk tree at Beersheba, and he called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. We got a new, way, new word for, we got a new name for God here. Again, I love Genesis because we keep learning God's names. This is, this is Yahweh El Olam, the everlasting God. Now, this Bible, there's nothing in here by accident. He forms this covenant with Abimelech. <clears throat> With the seven ewe lambs, seven, do a deep dive into that. With the seven ewe lambs, and he plants a tamarisk tree at that place that's called the well of covenant or the seven wells. And says that God is the everlasting God. That means God has no beginning and he has no end. Some people like to say that God is outside of time as if, here's God and here is time. A better way to look at it is time is inside of God. He surrounds time. He made it come into existence. He is there working in it. He's working right now where we are. I don't understand how, but he is. He's also working in the future and he's also working in the past. Our God surrounds time because he is the everlasting God. He spoke all things into existence And by his word, all things that are, are there because of him. And when you are in God, there is no limit to his goodness toward you. Because he is the everlasting God. Those things taken out of your hand, hear me. The everlasting God's got plenty more where that came from. God does not have a shortage of money. He is not up there working out his budget. He is not up there thinking, okay, I gave... I gave Chelsea 19 clients, so I don't know where I'm going to get seven clients, you know, for, 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 for Natalia. Oh, I don't gave, you know, a new car to Isaac. I don't know how I'm going to get a new car for Josh. Like, he's got plenty of money. God is, he's, he, he's stacked. Like, he's, it, it, <clears throat> he's got blessings eternal. He has no shortage. And so here's Abraham who just bought back a well that he owns. The natural inclination is to be bitter, but he's like, Adam paid seven lambs, but God's got plenty more. He's the everlasting God. And, and, as a, and as, as just like Abimelech had to buy back his fertility, Abraham bought back his well. And it, and it seems wrong. It seems like there's injustice. But, but the blessing is worth money. It's worth more than the money it took to get it back. The blessing was worth more than the money it took to get it back. Now, I, I'm... I'm, I'm I remember I bought my house just after the housing market crash. And what happens and what's kind of happening right now and will happen again is um, the house prices in South Florida start going stupid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They just go stupid. They're like, this was $200,000 a year ago. Now it's worth $600,000? Like, that doesn't make any kind of sense, right? It doesn't make sense. The housing market right now does not make sense. And at some point, people can't pay their house and then the market crashes, and then there's a bunch of foreclosures. And I bought my house, which had been a foreclosure. And once a house is foreclosed, what they do is they put it up for auction. Because we don't know what the house is worth anymore. It's similar to putting something in a pawn shop. Somebody gave you a watch that they paid $10,000 for. And uh, they can't sell it to anyone. So they take it to a bond broker. And if you look inside the pawn shop, there's all these watches. And there's price tags. But they don't know what it's worth. That watch is worth The same thing like your house is worth. It's worth what somebody is willing to pay for it. 
That's what things are worth. Whatever somebody's willing to pay for it. Is my house worth $200,000? Is my house worth a million dollars? My house is worth whatever somebody is willing to pay for it. And so for Abraham to be able to call that well his was worth seven lambs. Are, are you following me? So you go into this pawn shop, and when it's sitting in the pawn shop, it has no value. None at all. Until somebody goes in and determines the value of it. Now, my house was up for auction, and somebody bought it, and that determined the value of my house. Then I bought it from that person. Another way of saying this is, if you could come up, Stanley, they redeemed the value of the house by paying for it. Does this make sense? And so for Abimelech, he could have fought with Abraham, but he determined that fertility was worth more than war. And so he redeemed his family's fertility through the offering. Are, are, are you following me here? It seems wrong, but the blessing is worth more than the money that took to get it back. Let me give you another example. You were created in God's image. You were created a child of God with a hope, a future, and a promise. When God created you, he put his breath into you and declared that you are a child of God. Then the enemy came along. And he lied to you about your worth, and you began to sin. And you gave up your value to the enemy for what you thought would be worth more than God's blessing. God had you in his hand like this, and the enemy took him. Now, what should God do? Well, the fundamentalists say that you're destined for hell. You were never saved, and you're going to burn in hell. But that is not how God looked at you. The devil says you're worthless, but God was like walking through the pawn shop of the earth and saying, I, I, I see that one right there. They think they're worthless, but I'll go ahead and I'll take that one right there. And the pawnbroker says, well, what will you give me for it? And he says, I'll give my son. So the Bible says that when, when we come into sin, we give our value to the enemy. But God. But God came along and said, you know what, I'll, 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 I'll go ahead and buy back that which I already owned. I own the whole, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And even though I own that thing, I'll go ahead and buy it back with my son. So that they will everlasting be mine. That heaven and earth will know. that this is mine, that this is my son and this is my daughter. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, God demonstrated his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. People are like, well, I found God when I was 22. I'm like, God was never lost. You did not find God. Hey, God, I found you. <laughs> I wasn't hiding, bro. I've been here the whole time. I wasn't lost. You were lost. And you think that you came out of sin, but actually I am the one who bought you out of sin. It's like the watch on my wrist exaggerating. Like, hey, look, Carl. I, 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 I'm now here on your wrist. I'm like, no, I bought you. You didn't find my wrist. I put you there. I found you in the store and it was sitting there and I bought you and put you on my wrist. That's you and the Lord. When you decide that, yes, Jesus Christ is my Savior, I receive him as Savior, the Lord says, now I redeem your value. What are you worth? The blood of his son. And then he gets you and he puts you on his wrist. Like, hey, this is the one I bought back. Their value is, this. how valuable is this what I paid for it? My son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Stand with me if you would. We had no value, but God bought us back with the price of his son. And you're like, man, why should I forgive this person for what they did to me? Why should I walk in grace towards that person? This should be mine. I should have this business. I should have this place. I was at a certain place and then people robbed me of where I was at. Why should I have to work again? I'm here to let you know, work again. Go at the dream again. Go at the call again. You might be in the season that you got to buy back that which was already yours. Because your father did it for you. Abraham did it. Abimelech did it. I'm here to let you know this is the biblical 
pattern for your life. You are not going to give up and let the enemy keep what was stolen from you. You're going to go back at it again. You're going to remember the promise even though it's painful. You're going to remember the breakthrough even though it hurts a little bit. You're going to remember the words that God spoke to you. You're going to remember the intimate times in prayer and you're going to say, I'm doing this again. I'm putting my hand to the plow again. I'm rising up early for prayer again. I'm going to declare the word of God over my life again. I'm going to buy back that which is rightfully mine because I'm just like my daddy in heaven. Can you say amen? Listen, if you stand before God with open hands, God gives you eternal life. You're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to give up this thing. I don't want to give it. No, 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 no. You need to just open your hand and say, Lord, Lord, whatever, whatever you want out of this right here, whatever you want, it's yours. Whatever you want, it's yours. And God in return puts eternal life in your hands. Let me tell you, it's worth more than whatever he's telling you to give up. Whatever he's telling you to give up, eternal life is worth more. Walking with Jesus in the cool of the day is worth more. The promise of God in your life is worth more. The anointing of God in your life is worth more. Come on, pray in the Spirit for me if you would. I just feel right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I just feel right now like the Lord... I feel right now the Lord... Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. He's touching hearts right now. He's touching hearts right now. Some of you just need to open your hands and say, Lord... And you know what the Lord is calling you to give up. You, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know what he's calling you to. Just, just open your hands so you can have what you want, Lord. Put in what you want. Mm, 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 mm. I'm, I'm just going to be quiet for a second. You, you can be as loud as you want. You can be as loud as you want. I'm going to just let you just right now, you and Jesus. Put your hands out. I trust you with my life, Lord. I trust you. 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 And, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying for everybody, <clears throat> but for a few people right now, the Lord is going to take your sin and he's going to give you eternal life. He's, this is what he's going to do right now. Just hold your hands out. And just let's all repeat this prayer so that nobody's singled out. Ready? Just say, Lord Jesus. I've sinned. I knew I was sinning. And I did it anyways. Please forgive me. Today I receive you as my Savior. Wash me clean. Give me eternal life. I believe that you were born from a virgin. That you never sinned. Come on, that you never sinned. And that you died on a cross for me. And they buried you in a grave. Come on, but you did not stay dead. You rose from the dead. And you ascended to the right hand of the Father. Where you're praying for me right now. And I believe one day. You're coming back for me. So wash me clean. Fill me with your spirit. And give me power to be a witness. And I will tell people about your life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, give a clap off for the Lord. Listen, if you prayed that for the first time, I, I want you to fill out a connection card in the lobby. We want to send you some stuff to get you on your journey with Jesus. But I got a second part of this prayer. I feel like the Lord, there are some gifts that have gone dormant. I believe that there's still some angels bored in a closet that he wants to assign right now. There's some evangelists he wants to, come on, pray in the spirit. There are some people, there's some spiritual gifts that need to get stirred up at this very moment. I feel like some of you are going to walk out of this room with a word on your tongue. The Lord's going to anoint you with fire to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's going to anoint your hands to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He's going to give you a boldness to rebuke the devil. And mm, there it is right there. To rebuke the 
devil in your life. He used to show up in your quiet time and you had no power over him. But the Lord's going to anoint you. He's going to put something in your hand and the enemy's going to show up in the midnight hour and you're going to say, get thee behind me, Satan. The blood of Jesus is against you. Some of you are going to walk in your house after service and you're going to say, it all changes today. The spirit of contention leaves my house today. This spirit of strife leaves my house today. This spirit of poverty leaves my house today. The discerning of spirits will be activated in your life and love will flow and compassion will flow where there was judgment. Come on, pray in the spirit. I feel like he's anointing some people. That's the anointing of God on you right now. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, come on. One more time, put your hands out. Let him put something in it. In the name of Jesus, I declare right now, in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, first I pray for those who can't stop sinning, who cannot get out of anxiety, who cannot get out of depression. I'm not calling those sins. I'm talking about affliction. Those who have um, sickness that keeps coming time and time and time again, who have um, long-term sickness and keep having um, ailments. Those who keep falling into poverty time and time and time again. That strife keeps coming. I command in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus resists every attack of the devil in your life. The blood of Jesus washes you clean. I command in the name of Jesus, every foul and wicked spirit from hell flees from this place seven ways. Now with your spirit, come and anoint your people, Father. By your spirit, come and anoint your people. Come and anoint your people, Father. In the name of Jesus, I feel like someone's getting a new tongue right now. Somebody is getting visions right now. There are angelic assignments happening right now. In the name of Jesus, let the Lord speak to you. Father, I prophesy over this body of believers right now. I prophesy over Revival Life Church that this will be a place of healing. This will be a place of trust. This will be a place of redemption. This will be a place where people come into their calling. This will be a place where people don't feel like they have to steal from you or rob from you or destroy what you're doing so they can come into what they're doing. Father, this narcissism, this um, self-centeredness will be broken in the lives of the people under the anointing of this house. There will be love and generosity in the name of Jesus. There will be mercy and grace in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for the musicians and the songbirds that you're joining to this house the artists, and the dancers. The entrepreneurs and the business coaches. The financial managers and the counselors and therapists. Thank you that you're building the anointing on the inside of us to carry that which you're putting upon us. And we thank you and we count it done in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Give a clap offering to the Lord. Come on, give a clap. I'll just thank him. Thank him. Come on, touch somebody and say, he's going to do it in your life. He's going to do it in your life. He's going to do it in your life. Tell, tell a couple people he's going to do it in your life. Give him a hug. And I just bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I declare the grace of God over your life until we meet again. I'll see you Wednesday, some of you on Instagram Live for prayer. Go on and be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. I'll be in the lobby. I'd love to greet whoever's here. Just give me a moment. Amen. If you need prayer, you can come on forward. We'd love to lay hands on you. Upon your broken worship, pour it out. Pour it out. Jesus knows just how much it cost you.